Welcome everybody to the final lap podcast where we've chosen our driver number and it's 0.9 just to annoy Seb for being before him. <laughs> I'm your host Andrew Pearson and alongside me is the man who is the Felipe baby to my Rob Smedley. It's the <laughs> ever joyful Sean Gray. Good evening folks or morning depending on when you're choosing to listen to this show. <laughs> so uh, let's just dive straight into what we would painfully consider to be the Formula One news. Final lap podcast. <clears throat> so, uh, as it's the off season, we're still a little bereft of anything that we would really probably consider news, but uh, we'll dive into what we've got so far. Uh, following on from our debate last week about regarding finances in F1, uh, Toto Wolff has come out in the press and stated that spending in Formula One is unsustainable. Um, quite interesting given that we had just uh, just done the, sh- uh, the show on that just a week ago so he's right of course I think as we, we covered that last week he's uh, said that probably the highest spending teams spend three or four times the money of the other teams is that sustainable and healthy? no <laughs> which <laughs> is uh, beautifully pragmatic in German of him um, is he German or is he Austrian? Uh Good question. Not Toto sure. Wolf sounds sounds Bavarian to me. He's probably German. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he is, in fact, Austrian. <laughs> well, there you go. I had a feeling he was. I had a feeling somewhere he wasn't. He's is Arnold. That, uh, do you know what? I'm never going to not be able to read Total Wolf's quotes without doing it in a very bad Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. So let's go. Efficiency is what is being asked for from our mother company, but the gaps if you take the highest spending team compared to the midfield teams, like Force India, Williams and Sub, are still huge. <laughs> His name's actually Torger. What? His, his, his first name is Torger. I'd call myself Toto if that was my first name. And according to his wiki, and let's be honest, wiki's probably wrong, but he <laughs> still owns 15% in Williams. That can't be right if he's at Mercedes. Uh, Surely he's sold his William shares. I don't know. Wikipedia keeps on telling me that um, Roman Grosjean's Swiss, so I, I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> oh, I, nobody knows what nationality Roman Grosjean <laughs> is. I don't think I don't think Roman Grosjean knows what nationality Roman Grosjean is. Roman Grosjean is the result of some bizarre EU project to grow a human who is of no nationality and make <laughs> and him it really famous. just tells him that he's French, and Roman says, like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> if you say so." <laughs> Anyway, to the news. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's um, that's Mercedes, who presumably don't have that much of a, a budget squeeze on them, given given who they're being backed by, um, suggesting that f- that spending in Formula One is unsustainable. It, you know, again, we talked about it last week, Sean, but um, it do- I don't see that many people, you know, putting press releases out there saying, no, no, spending in Formula One is fine, apart from possibly Christian Horner. Yeah, it's, 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 you're right. So if they all know it's not fine, <laughs> and they can all agree that, then why is nothing being done? <laughs> no, no, why are we still having... That might um, actually be interesting for our discussion later on about who would be better to run F1, because you've got the team saying that they know it's unsustainable and they all agree, but then is it Bernie that's pushing it in the other direction and... You know, would it be better if the teams were to 
to be in charge. That's something to look at for later. I think it uh, it certainly runs into it, definitely. Or it certainly runs into the idea that when you have something that everybody agrees is a problem but nobody's doing anything about, <laughs> who should be doing something about Who's it? Who's to blame? Mm. Uh, also in the news... Uh, my my favourite story of the week is definitely the Eddie Irvine uh, nightclub <laughs> brawl. <laughs> if there's one... If you were to say to, to, uh, to an F1 fan, think of an F1 driver from the last 20 years involved in the nightclub brawl, who would you say? They'd go, ah, Eddie Irvine. <laughs> it just, just has to be. Him and Sutil should like, make a tag team. <laughs> yeah, those, those are two guys you don't want to see drinking in the same bar, isn't it? <laughs> like, Sutil looks so lovely. He just he looks like a genuine night person. Like, somebody must have called his mum a slag or something that night. Like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, Irvin's been sentenced to six months, but it's suspended, so he won't actually do any jail time. Which I'm sure we can agree is a huge, huge shame. I would love to see Eddie Irvin <laughs> jail. It'd be so much fun. <laughs> dear, dear. Apparently, it happened in the VIP section of a Hollywood night. Hang on a minute. How does that? The incident took place in the VIP VIP section. Oh, of of the <laughs> Hollywood nightclub. Yeah. I read it as of <laughs> in of Ho- a Hollywood nightclub in Milan. I was thinking that doesn't really work out unless there is a new Hollywood in Milan. <laughs> I like this. I like this Italian law. They were both guilty of mutual injury. <laughs> so they'd just been beating the crap out of each other, basically. That, I mean, that's so good, because in this country, you'd say, well, they both beat the crap out of one another. We won't bother pressing charges. In Italy, they say, you both beat the crap out of one another, so you're both going to jail. Yeah, <laughs> Learn right. your fucking yeah. lesson. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> oh, he was also involved in a brawl back in 2008. This is not Eddie Irvin's first time. <laughs> is that in any way, shape, or form surprising? <laughs> no, none. <laughs> so, uh, also well, in the news, we've got Eric Boulay is doing his best uh, Dad's Army impression, um, saying, "Everything is fine. Don't panic. <laughs> don't panic." <laughs> that that suggests to me that everything is probably not fine. <laughs> Everything is fine here. Lotus we were on the grid this year and for a long time. Mm, right. So I, I, I hope so. I really hope so, but Who do we who do we see buying them out in twenty fifteen then? Uh, <laughs> uh Paul Stoddard. <laughs> I like it. Paul Stoddard's like the uh the Formula One Ian Holloway. He just <laughs> just just ludicrous. Ludicrous human being. <laughs> but but lovable. Um, uh, the also, the reason that we we got into this situation of asking whether lo- everything is okay at Lotus is because they confirmed that they will miss the first test at uh, Jerez. They're not the um, only team, though. Are they, I think they're not, but they're certainly the biggest team. Yeah. Not to. I think that was the that was the thing. There's probably something in that that, that for a while, certainly up to the uh, end of last the last couple of races last season. They were probably pushing their car quite hard, whereas teams like McLaren obviously took the foot off the gas way earlier. So they're probably paying a little, playing a little bit of catch-up uh, in terms of development on their car. And they don't have the resources that Red Bull and Ferrari have, so could probably not move things as quick as those two, perhaps. And I'm just sort of hazarding a guess. Well, this is the, this is the expl- <laughs> it's brilliant, Planet F1. Occasionally, their journalists are not necessarily what I would call that good about writing articles that make sense. Explaining the team's decision to wait until Bahrain to run 
Eric Boulier said, We took the decision bearing in mind we would miss a third of the testing. That's not an explanation, is it? That That is just what's going to happen. They're going to miss a third of the testing. But um, it doesn't, doesn't go on to say why. No, and surely, surely nothing beats on-the-road testing. Well, you would think that even if they're not ready, they're still better to stick the car out there and see what it's got in it. And improve parts there and then. Like, surely, what are they going to be doing instead of going there? Putting stuff through the wind tunnel. They might as well take it to track. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Surely all the teams, they, all they complain about is we want more testing. And so, like, okay, go have a test. No, we'll just stay in the wind tunnel. <laughs> and it, it is bizarre. Plus, there's all of the thing about tyres and stuff, isn't there, really, that... You know, I suppose did um, I could be just completely making this up, but did McLaren miss a test last year? Um, no, you might be thinking they missed. They and Force India didn't go to the Pirelli tyre test. Is that what it was? Uh, at the end of this season, they both declined to go, which again was very odd. But nobody asked whether those two teams were turning up to the grid next year. So I'm sure go. somebody missed a. Missed the first test last year. I can't remember who it was. Sure of it. Sure. Anyway, um, and and not not HRT. I mean a real team. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure off the top. I can't of you remember, might... but I'm sure somebody with a a decent sized team, a midfield, if not further up the grid team, sure missed either last year or the year before the first test. But could be could be wrong. I'm just. I think I think you're you're probably right. Not Which again just makes the reporting of the story a bit ludicrous, isn't it? It's... You're just picking on Lotus now, really. It looks a wee bit like that, if we're honest. Yeah. Um, in very good news for um, everybody concerned with F1 and possibly uh, anybody uh, in the carbon fiber reclamation um, business, Caterham uh, have been said that they are seeking an experienced driver as part of their lineup, and the man who it seems is head of the list is everyone's favourite Japanese driver, Kamui Kobayashi. Yeah, I'd love to see Kamui back on the grid. I'd love to see Kamui back on the grid in a car that's got the ability to do his uh, patented last of the late breakers overtaking manoeuvres into the into the braking zones, but I'm not sure if Caterham will give him that. You never know, they might. So I'd like to see him further up the grid, but either way, it's still good to see him on the grid regardless. This is... This is a feel-good story for once. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's kind of generally, I mean, this is the first year that Caterham really um, d- didn't have an experienced hand in the car one way or the other. Probably, um, and, and this was the year they came bottom of the yes. championship. So. I, think, um, I think a correlation has to be met there, really, somewhere along the line. Like Before, they were definitely the best of the new teams, whereas this season they were... Shit. Uh, worse. Well, <laughs> they were certainly no better than Marussia, if not worse. So. Yeah. You'd have to say that's regression. Yes, they took on Charles Peake and that turned out to be a a nightmare of epic promotions. Moo and uh, Van der Gaard could be a decent wee team, so that would be all right. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that. Um, when asked when the decision was going to be made, um, a team spokesman said, <laughs> I love this. This is such a Formula One thing. Sometime before nine o'clock on Tuesday, the twenty eighth of January. <laughs> That's an excellently uh, accurate time. I'm not actually going to tell you that it's going to be at like eight thirty on 
on Tuesday the 20th of January, but I'll give you this. <laughs> dear, oh dear. Who's that that said that? I, I can just, yeah. the only thing I can find is team spokesman. <laughs> I would. Be, that could be literally everybody. <laughs> that could be. The uh, janitor. Well, I know it's going to be before nine o'clock because they've scheduled me in at nine o'clock to clear up all of the streamers and stuff. So sometime before then, defo. Tony Fernandez's gardener or something. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, Harry Mr. Redford. Fernandez says say say he'll not be back until nine o'clock. So. <laughs> uh, I don't know why his gardener is Chinese. It's just it's where I went with it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so we have. Uh... What else is in the news? Formula E. Oh yes, of course the uh, yeah, that's a eco thing that they're up to. I'm not entirely quite sure what's going on in it, but it looks the cars look mental anyway. So it looks like something from the future. It looks like what Formula One will be in like 10, 15 years. Well, it probably literally will be in yeah. a in a lot of ways. Um, so yes, um, Formula E, the uh, electric version of Formula One. Um, have uh, put out saying that um, there will be a roster of uh, top talent for the um, 10 teams taking part in Formula E to choose from. Um, how, how is it going to work then? Is it going to be some sort of draft like pick, where they pick the drivers? Um I don't like, know. I think like, it's like like you're playing five aside and you've got two captains and whoever gets picked last is the best. <laughs> <laughs> I think what they're saying is that they will put together a load of top talent and then it's up to the teams to negotiate with whoever's yeah. there. That could be quite weird. interesting. Some of the names I see here are linked. Are, it's like a who's who of Formula One jobbers. You've got Sebastian Buemi, Karun Shandok, Tony Liuzzi, Takuma Sato and Lucas Degrassi. Who's he again? <laughs> Who did he drive for? Was it um, geez. Uh, I think it might have been Toyota, but I might be making that up again completely. I was going to yeah. say Arrows, but Arrows is my default <laughs> team <laughs> that I go for whenever I'm not sure about something it, from the past. Toyota, but we'll have a little look and check. Uh, yeah, so some, some decent names there, like Takuma Sato, Karun Shandok, guys that have had a bit of... Quite, a, quite an extensive bit of uh, F1 experience. Tony Liuzzi was in F1 for a while, so... Yeah, uh, oh no, it was Virgin that Degrassi was. Oh, yes. With Timo Glock. Virgin. He's also worked for Pirelli doing the tyre stuff. So, yeah, again, plenty of experience. Uh, this, this thing, this uh, Formula E could be really interesting because if it, if it takes off, then, and like you said, Formula 1 will no doubt steel bits uh, and to, to try and implement it there. And if they're, if they're serious about things like the uh, the recovery systems for the energy and stuff like that, then mm-hmm. bound to bound to see some, some overlap. The front wing on the Formula One e-cars is brilliant. It's really interesting, isn't it? It's, it's behind the nose, but then has... These massive big side like, plates. They look like, like mud flaps, but the wrong way around, if you... Kind yeah, of. yeah, I see that. Yeah. Um, if you go on the uh, Wikipedia page of Lucas Degrassi, there's a, a really good picture of a full car, um, and it does look mental. Mm. Um, the Spark Renault SRT01. Should you be inclined to find? The <laughs> oh, same they called it at? Spark. 
Yes. That's a cliched name for like well. a... <laughs> uh. um, yeah. Looks like they'll be running on Michelin's as well. Does anybody know what, like, what the format for that is? Is it going to get shown on telly? Are we going to get to see that? Uh, uh, I'm assume uh, you'd have to assume that you'd hope that Sky would pick it up since they well, pick they have up a absolutely everything else. Channel, so they might as well. <laughs> Saves them showing the 1999 Hockenheim Grand Prix again. So. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. And I love, I love having the old, uh, the old stuff to watch. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing like watching Pedro Dines rocket round in that cyber. But um, yeah, it'd be nice to see this on on Sky F1. Definitely, I'll, I'll take a look into that. This is very interesting. Um, very, very interesting. Actually, 42 cars were ordered in November 2012 with Formula One team McLaren providing the motor, transmission, and electronics. Hmm. Okay. That so doesn't surprise me, because Formula One cars, do they not all use electronics from McLaren now? So. Well, the the ECU is certainly McLaren's one, yeah. isn't it? But the so motor that's... bit is quite interesting, isn't it? That. Um... So do you think so you think if we move to electric energies in F1... Well, it's certainly, we'll it's the... certainly very interesting, yeah. given all of the energy recovery systems that are coming into... Um, into Formula uh, One, and that McLaren have, you know. Yeah, maybe the... got maybe got a legs up there. Yeah. So uh, oh, that's very interesting. Um, a calendar with ten host cities for the twenty four season twenty four season season has been. So confirmed. the cars are uh, the cars are standardised, is it? And it's yep. going to be pure driver. One make single seat electric powered. Is who's, the, uh... who's the best driver then? Really, no, no uh, nonsense with the uh, difference in aero packages and stuff like that. So the ten street, uh, circuits are going to be Beijing, Putre Yaya, wherever the hell that is. Somebody please tell me. No. Uh, Rio yeah. de Janeiro. Okay. Punta del Este. Mexico. Just guessing. No. Could be Buenos Aires, which is at least Argentina. Uh, to Argentina. Aires, yeah. uh, LA, interestingly. Huh. Uh, Miami. <laughs> okay. Monte yeah. Carlo. So they'll be doing Monaco. Naturally. Uh, Berlin, huh? Okay. And London, apparently. Oh, okay. We should go to the London one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm bloody. I'm up for that for definite. Yeah, that would be great. Um, in order to manage the costs of operating Formula E, each constructor will be mandated to make their car available to two other teams for a maximum capped price. The cap is currently set at three hundred fifty thousand euro. That's interesting. So, how does that work then? So it means that you design your car. Um, so the cars aren't standardised. I'm confused now because I thought the cars were standardised. I think it's well, it, mm. unless there's something you can change about the chassis. But yeah, the, they've, maybe, the, they've maybe ordered forty-two of the engines guts. and motors and stuff. But you can put. But you can change arrow whatever you want yeah, on. Possibly then. Okay. Interesting. Mm. Do you know what we should um, we should maybe have a look at this in more detail because that's really quite interesting. Mm. I liked um, Sky did a uh, a series of um, bike racing uh, where they had all standard bikes, um, and that was really quite an, an interesting watch. It would be quite interesting to see something where ninety percent of the car is standard because that's something that we talked about again in the finance episode about ways to improve costing. You know, and also with the three-car team idea. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, a team can buy buy a 
a bulk car from somebody for an X amount of money. You know, obviously the team that builds it gets the money back for selling it on and the other team saves on development costs. I managed to uh, find a little bit more about it here. There'll be... Each team has four cars, but with only two drivers. <laughs> They've got remote control in the other one. Or so I, think, I think it's because... Is it, oh, my God. It's like the ghost car in Mario Kart. You've got to try and beat your own time you set up the previous I, I, lap. I had an F1 game on the, ga- on the Game Boy Color that, that had that, and I could never catch up like with the ghost car, but, um, which was silly because it was myself. <laughs> but... Um, Yes, I think they have to recharge one of them, which sounds just insane. Just like, oh, brilliant. Is that instead of refueling? So they have to come in and jump into the the juiced car halfway through the race. I love it. Love it. It says here that there'll be uh, free practice followed by qualifying and then a race with three stints and two pit stops. Pit stop will involve a change of car when the battery <laughs> runs out. They- Make a pit stop, and listen to this. I got this is from Wikipedia. I don't know if this is true. When the battery runs out, the driver will make a pit stop, then will run a hundred meters to climb into wow. a recharged car. So they have to throw a hundred meters. Do you know what that reminds me of? Do you remember the old in the sort of fifties where the drivers would start across the pit lane from their car and have to run, leg yeah, it in, put the steering wheel the on, and start the fucking thing before they got anywhere? Yes, I love this formula already. It's awesome. <laughs> Uh, that's mental. I can't quite figure out, though, if the cars are standardised or not. I mean, it kind of looks that way, but then then how does them uh, selling on equipment to other teams work if the cars are all the they same? They must that's be able to customise the aero on it. That's the only thing yeah, I can think. You, it must be. I mean, you would think it would say that in the rules and stuff, but perhaps not. But yeah, it looks great fun. Uh, and with, uh, it's kind of like what we've been kind of crying out for a little bit because just the last few weeks I was saying, oh, teams take a take a young driver on and then throw them on the scrap heap after two years. People like Jaime Alguasuari and Sebastian Buemi. So at least this is somewhere for, yeah, for them to go. It might not might not take off, but it's something for us. Definitely somewhere where people who don't quite are finishing Formula One could uh, could go because you don't see people going back to GP two. <laughs> no. Once, once they're booted out of Formula One, that's it kind of thing. You're not going to go back. Too good down for GP two, not good enough for F one. This is a bit of a. Yeah. So yeah, a little sideways step into Formula E for your Takuma Satos of this world. Takuma Sato <laughs> must be about ninety by now. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's still going but yeah Boemi and uh, Shandok I like them so and hopefully Algoswari gets involved well he's probably too busy making DJ music or something whatever he's up to but, yeah this looks a lot of fun and de- if they're going to do a London street circuit Grand Prix then I'm all for that <laughs> that'd be so much fun Ooh, R- Richard Branson ent- 2014 enters the E Championship <laughs> that sounds awfully familiar. <laughs> uh, yeah, Virgin Racing have a team. Apparently, I take uh, uh, take it Richard and Lenny's lesson from the possibly. first time round. But anyway, do you know who else who? has a team? Apparently, uh, oh, Aguri. Really? 
Super Aguri. Aguri Suzuki. He's got a team by the looks of things. So surely Takuma Sato will be driving for him then. That, that would make sense. That would make sense, actually, given that he did before, didn't he? Um, yeah, okay. so that would make perfect sense. And then you would have... Oh, I found out where Punta del Este yep. and Putaraja are. Malaysia, Putara, <laughs> Putraya, however you, however you say that. Putraya, yeah. Yep. About five A's in it. And uh, Uruguay oh. for Punta del Este. You are gay. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> um. Yeah. Bangkok was initially announced but was later removed. And so was Rome oh. removed. I'm, I'm assuming that's probably that there is no Ferrari in it and probably... Yeah, they're probably looking for an Italian. It's uh, a bit of a shame, really, to, isn't it? It would have been nice involved. to have seen a few more European venues. But I've, I'm stoked that London's got one. That'll be that'll be worth a, oh, yeah. a jog up to the capital, I think. It's interesting that Virgin are involved as well. Richard Branson does love getting involved in the mm. eco stuff these days. I think he's about that. See, I think he sees it as good PR. So. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Lots to look forward to. And just interesting final note before we move on. Uh, the first race is... I've taken this with a pinch of salt because this kind of thing, these things are always delayed, but scheduled to be in September 2014, so this year. And that's the first race in September running through winter. So it'll Ooh, give us something to watch. Wow. But it's so, sold yeah. me already. So um, if you're listening, Mr Murdoch, please sign it up for the uh, F1 channel. Um I'd like to have a watch of that. Or the Beeb. Yeah. I'm not I'm not fu- yeah, I'm not fussy. Yeah, get the Beeb involved. <laughs> just not yeah, ITV, you can't be doing with adverts. Um <laughs> James a- just this is just popped in my head talking about ITV, but James Allen <laughs> was on Mastermind <laughs> last week. And uh, I was really annoyed actually because he didn't choose yeah. F one as his specialist. What was his specialist subject? subject? <laughs> uh the works of um Roald Dahl. <laughs> which I found kind of random, but fair enough, whatever you I always think with some of the some of those specialist subjects some of it's got to be like if you chose a really expansive subject like formula one there's like tons of questions you could ask that but like the work like Roald Dahl has a limited body of work that you could ask questions about see if I was going to do F1 I would have to say F1 I would say 21st century F1 next up we have Sean Gray whose specialist subject is terrible Minardi drivers between (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 1999 and 2005 which is essentially all of them but anyway um... <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah Formula E looks great yeah looking forward uh, to that the very last thing um, is, is for the uh, F1 geeks um, which is us really so uh, hello um, the driver numbers have for at least all the drivers who have been confirmed uh, been uh, given to them um has, uh, has Max Chilton confirmed I believe the he is very close to <laughs> signing a deal with Marussia. <laughs> um, I, I think he's actually okay. he's actually written that on a sign yeah. and hammered it into his front lawn so that he doesn't... <laughs> very close to signing a deal. Um, but yeah, some interesting numbers out there. We've got... Uh, obviously, Vettel will be number one because he's a champion, but he's chosen number five as has if he... Is not the champion. In the <laughs> unlikely event that he is never the champion, he'll be number five. The best one for me is uh, Paso Maldonado being unlucky for some number 13. Uh, how he's uh, 
uh, he's either very self-aware <laughs> or just, just maybe he just thinks this know, is so. There's nothing else that can really happen to him now. Maybe, maybe he thinks that's uh, if he picks thirteen, <laughs> stuff won't happen to him. I don't know. Other interesting ones. I know Lewis has gone for forty-four. I don't know. Uh, story behind Nico that. Rosberg has gone for uh, number six, which was his dad's number in his uh, World Championship winning season. Do you think anybody had a fight over two people wanting the same number? Think... <laughs> do, you think, do you think anybody applied for the same one? And I think had a couple of people had their second numbers be the same. Um, I think 17 was but, yeah. one that might have been because Jules Bianchi got that but I think it might have been the second one for Valtteri Bottas but I, I don't think any of the first choices I don't think Bottas had anything to worry about nobody else is <laughs> going to pick 77 well this is the interesting let's go through them all because it's it'd be quite interesting to see how which ways people have gone so Vettel's got number one uh, Ricardo is number three Lewis Hamilton went for 44 and Nico Rosberg six Fernando Alonso was fourteen and Kimi Räikkönen was seven. I think I think Alonso I think Alonso had an, uh, a reason behind the fourteen that he posted on Twitter, but I can't remember what it was. I think maybe that I think that was his number when he very first uh, started in karting. I think, I remember him posting a picture of him doing karting from years back, and it was fourteen on it. I think so. I think that's why he he went for fourteen. Uh, Roman Grosjean eight, Pastamado Pastamardonado thirteen. Um, Jensen Button, 22. Kevin Magnussen, 20, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, mm. Adrian Suttill, 99. <laughs> There's always one Muppet who does that. Eh? It's like it's like the squad numbers in football. You've always got one, somebody <laughs> with a ridiculously uh, high Esteban Gutierrez, 21. Um, Nico Hulkenberg, 27. Sergio Perez, 11. Um, John-Eric Vergny, um, 25, Daniel Fiat, 26. Seems a bit odd. I Do you not get the feeling that those numbers were chosen for them? Yeah. Yeah, um, well, but... Sorry, mate. <laughs> no, nothing. That was it. Uh, yeah, Felipe Massa, 19. Valtteri Bottas, 77. And uh, Jules Bianchi, 17. I am utterly disappointed <laughs> that... Um, Kimi Raikkonen didn't choose 99 for the ice cream reference or 69, which would have just made him a legend as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Do you think Ferrari's PR team kind of warned him off I don't know. something like that? I bet, I bet if he was driving for Lotus, he would have had something ludicrous like that and Eric Bailey would be like, Kimi, you can't do that. And Raikkonen's like, fuck you, I do what I want. Um, <laughs> but imagine Ferrari probably talked him out of that. <laughs> I hope that's what happened. We'll never know. I'll need to just... That's one of those ones that I just need to... memoirs come out. Hope that... So you were yeah. saying something quite interesting to yeah. me before the show kicked off about the reason for doing all of this, or the... Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting, but I don't... I don't... <laughs> of all the things that need fixed in Formula One was my point. This isn't it. <laughs> we would have been quite fine with the old system. The time spent devising this could have went to devising something else. Sure. 
But you were saying that you think you have there's a, well, there's a good reason for good it. Good may be right? overstretching it, but the, there is a very simple reason, um, and it's um, inherited in direct, almost directly from NASCAR. Um, and it's, it's very simple. Um, it's merchandise. Ah, yeah, okay, good point. You could get Fernando Alonso with a big 14 on and, a jumper or something. And that's the thing is that yeah, then okay. those things last season to season. Do you know what I mean? He, you can have his number on mm -hmm. the back of your Ferrari jacket and it will always be 14 rather than... Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you brilliantly have two on it in from... You know, from another season, and then he becomes, you know, he comes fifth in the next season. You think, oh, well, he's going to have number five now. Bollocks. Yeah. No, that's a good point, actually. And I hadn't thought of it like that. Because uh, the cats especially, you always see the numbers absolutely. on the side of the cats. And I think that's well. why, um, if you look at the list, you see so many double numbers. So 44, 22, 11, 77. Um, because those are very striking on... When you see them next to one another. Mhm. Mm yeah. Certainly, Lewis with forty-four, Valtteri Bottas seventy-seven, Suto ninety-nine. Yeah. Jensen twenty-two. I think there was a reason for Jensen's as well, though. Sure, it was. Did he not? Is that many? How many girlfriends he's gone through in his years in Formula One? <laughs> I think he might have won the title with twenty-two ah, number. Could be. Because the, the Honda was <laughs> crap the year before, possibly. I th I'm sure I've seen somebody post on Twitter yeah, okay. something to uh, that effect. Um, would make sense after all. But I could be wrong. Once again, disclaimer in everything that I say tonight. <laughs> with, I could be wrong at the end of it because I don't have time yeah, to check enough. it. Okay, up. so uh, that's that's probably pretty much where it's come from. Um, and I think the point about that is that now. It, drivers are much more um, wanting to take control of their own sponsorship um, and their own merch and bits and pieces, and that's how their that's how mm -hmm. their wages yeah. are being supplemented. Yeah, so rather than giving idea. them yeah, twenty great. million dollars, you say that's fine. I'll give you ten million dollars, and you can stick whatever sponsors you like on the um, on your uniform and hat, and um, you get thirty percent of all of the merchandising with your number on it. Blah blah. Quite Google. Quick Google confirms that I am right. Jensen won the world title in the Braun with that, number then? 22. So that's where his number comes from. So, yeah, I, I totally hadn't thought of merchandise. Just completely never. And as someone who's a wrestling fan, <laughs> you would think that would be one of the first things that would pop into my head. But, yeah, I um, didn't think of that. So, yeah, it's a good point. And quite good as a, as a fan I, I'd quite I, now, now that you've said that I quite fancy myself getting a Fernando Alonso 14 hat <laughs> next time I'm at a Grand Prix which probably won't be anytime soon absolutely um, and I think that pretty much wraps up in terms of what we could loosely consider news uh, for Formula 1 this week so uh, let's transition smoothly into having a chat about um, something that has a lot to do with some of the, the topics we've talked about previously in terms of three-car teams and finances and all the other bits and pieces, and it's who is best placed to run Formula One. Um, really, at the moment, we've got Bernie Eccleston as part of FOM, um, the FIA in for the sort of technical side and, and regulations. Uh, and then there's also, of course, the Formula One teams, um, Mostly what we we could probably say under photo, apart from, uh, as Sean found out, 
Ferrari and Red Bull who obviously backed off from being part of uh, that particular group. Um, there are two other teams, I think, not in FOTA, but they weren't <laughs> as big as uh, Red Bull and Ferrari, so I neglected <laughs> to mention them. Yeah, it's uh, so funnily enough, the B teams. Oh, look, Sauber for the teams that rely totally on the other two teams. Brilliant. That's uh, funny, isn't it? Yeah. Who says <laughs> politics isn't in F1? Anyway, yeah, I was just just as you were mentioning there, the introduction to this topic, I could just think you mentioned, oh, will it be FOM? And I could think of negatives for FOM doing it. Will it be photo? And then I could think of negatives for photo doing it. I can I can always think of negatives of certain things, but you could then say, okay, then what's the solution? And you go, eh, yeah. So <laughs> realistically, sure. the way we have it now, uh, the Formula One management, FOM, controls all of the commercial rights to the sports. They decide who pays how much, who wins what for finishing where. Um, they do all the deals in terms of TV rights um, to do with the sport uh, and probably a myriad of other commercial type deals uh, with all the finances. Um, you have the FIA um, who deal with what the technical regulations are going to be enforcing laws um and basically arbitrating the sport as a a referee um but don't have any control about um the direction the sport goes really um you know they can do all the technical regulations to change how the cars work and all the bits and pieces but they don't they can't really steer it in any vision that's not shared by the teams or bernie um, and then obviously, lastly, you have the teams who have a massive amount of power, um, but probably based on the fact that you, you'd you have more luck herding a pack of hyperactive cats than getting two Formula One teams to do, agree on anything, um, can never do anything with that power. It's an interesting it conundrum, is. isn't it? Um, so let's look, at, let's look at each one of those you know, options. If we said... We are going to give you sole power over how everything works um, and see the pros and cons for each one of them. So let, let's start with the FIA because they would seem the people that you would assume would be most suitable to run a sport would be the sports governing body. You would think um, so. I would like to see the FIA being given more power. To me, it's. I feel like the FIA should almost be the final say, like they would get someone like Bernie to run the day-to-day side of things and only stepped in in extreme circumstances. But if they really felt they had to, they would have like a final overruling verdict if they thought something was going stupidly wrong. Like imagine Bernie turned up tomorrow and said, that's it, you're all getting a quid prize money (laughs) and I'm keeping the rest. I I felt the FIA should have some sort of last gas power to be able to overrule completely ludicrous scenarios like that just in case it's like a safety blanket the way I would have it is I would have someone like Bernie, probably not Bernie but someone like Bernie doing the day to day management almost like a manager and the football and the FIA is like the, the football board and only step in when things have gotten completely out of hand and something needs to just be addressed that, that, that to me seems like the the best solution because it seems awful silly that the FIA are the FIA yet have such little 
sort of in actual fact power over the the commercial side of the product. Absolutely. Um, it seems simply that they've got so much power over the rule side, but so little power about the commercial side. There's a, there's a massive imbalance there that just doesn't seem right. It seems strange. Indeed. Uh, what do you think? I think that's um, that's absolutely a valid point. Um, <clears throat> it, it seems ludicrous that somebody could, you're giving somebody all the power to um, punish people uh, and to technically limit the sport in the ways it feels is correct, um, but has no say in making sure that prize money is distributed in a way that's more fair. The actual really places weird, that like, the how... races are going to take place, they've got no control over that. Um, it's all a bit bizarre. Um, mm-hmm. If you were starting from scratch, you probably wouldn't design it that way. So why is it acceptable for that to be the current norm? But like I say, in general, I like Formula One management, the idea of Formula One management running the day-to-day side of things because the FIA should have a primarily focus on the technical regulation stuff. But there needs to be some sort of, in essence, quality control over Bernie Eccleston to stop him going mad. <laughs> like, there needs to be, like, it's like, who's, who's judging the judges kind of thing? Like, someone needs to make, like, Bernie can't have... He's got too much power. I don't think anybody would argue against that Bernie has too much power in Formula 1. Um, but So he just needs reined in a little bit. Sure, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Um, of course, the problem that you've got with the FIA is that um, you would see it as the kind of political uh, side of Formula 1 in terms of that it's... Um, you know, it's a panel of people. It's not just one person overseeing things. You know, there's mm-hmm. a pre- president, but they're not um, the the person solely responsible for for making decisions. Um, but they're not a democracy in that people vote for them. Um, only half of the the panel is elected by the General Assembly uh, in the FIA. So there's five people who basically get in by being the best politickers. Um, You've got the president, the current and previous presidents um, of the FIA, uh, the president of the Senate, deputy president for the FIA Mobility and Automobile Group, and the deputy president of the FIA Sports Group. So all of those people are, you know, on the um, Senate of the FIA um, just because of, you know, reasons that are non-sporting, if you see what I mean. Um, yeah. So what we're saying is you have the FIA being some sort of quality control over Formula Management, but to do that first, the FIA probably needs a little bit of a reshuffle in the well, way think, it in itself works. I think the problem is is that you've got um, a system that's that's archaic and ancient because it was designed around when yeah. <laughs> me and a motorsport was, was governed by um, the people stupid enough to do it for a living, and so they, you know... It was fine that the the people involved in the sport were running it, but as times go gone on, obviously, you end up with the massive political situations that we find of, you know, having an ex Ferrari boss running, um, you know, the automobile yeah. arbitration system. You can definitely 
see how that is counterproductive and conflict of interest. Yeah. So maybe we come up with a more democratic political structure for the FIA before we then specifically re- Absolutely. remanage uh, Formula and One. Obviously, the other interesting, the That's other point is that um, the FIA is not just solely responsible for Formula One. Obviously, it's responsible for World Rally and, yeah. uh, and other bits and pieces. True, true. So yeah, I definitely hear your point about political nature. The FIA, you only need to go back to Balestri in the 90s to see that uh, the president could have influence in ways that probably shouldn't. So yeah, that that is definitely something that, that could be could be looked at. Not that ever, I don't expect it to ever be looked at any time in the next 10, 20 years, but... Like you say, it's, it's archaic for a reason. They're, they're set in their ways. They're, it just goes round and round, and then we'll get a new president, and the circle will carry on. So I don't expect it to be changed anytime soon. However, in, in, our, in our fantasy booking that we've been doing over the last few, few shows at F1, that would be the place yes. to start. You put a solid political structure in there, demographic elected president with good votes, a good House of Representatives, I think it almost will. needs... You need to have... Mm-hmm more of the interested parties being involved um but without but but making sure that that doesn't mean that um you know interested parties can be pushed into positions of power which seems to be yeah. how things are quite often done these days yeah so you you could do that and then you could then say right the FIA then elects or appoints formula 1 management of some kind but then comes down to the I mean, doesn't Bernie and his company technically own F1? Well, they certainly own like the ability to sell it. Um. I feel like that right in itself. It's like, it's like F, we need to nationalize F1 to the FIA. Basically. But it's very difficult, isn't it? Because in, in, actual, in an actual way, having Bernie do all of those bits and pieces keeps a lot of the other parts of the process fairly honest. Um, and and everybody struggled to try and deal with Bernie. It, it rather unites people in ways that they probably wouldn't were he not there, or were it somebody that True. acquiesced to anything that uh, team said. You know, Bernie's not going to be swayed by Ferrari or Mercedes or Red Bull <clears throat> into doing something he doesn't want to just because it's those teams. And if Ferrari said that they were going to leave the sport, um. You know that Bernie would be on the grid the next week saying, um, I think it's a bit of a shame, but people have got to do what they want to do. Formula One is a sport for any teams that want to take part in it, not the teams who don't want to take part. And, you know... That's exactly what Bernie would say. I can always um, hear him saying and that. that yeah. in a way, is good for the sport because it means that the finances, yeah. which is, the, you know, so ripe for for teams in the FIA to use for their own benefits, um, is held by a third party who you know forces the teams to to work together um in a way that they might not might not do without that person there um but i you you know completely accept your criticism that having one guy with all of that power um <laughs> leads you to have a guy like bernie eccleston in charge of masses of 
Yeah, it's, it's a, like I say, it's a conundrum. Just having this kind of discussion right now makes me wish I'd went back to uni, studied politics, and did it on the Formula One political structure. Did my did a dissertation on that because I feel like it'd be plenty to say. Yes, I mean uh, Bernie is uh, a dictator. Um, a re a reformation of the Formula One political right. structure by Sean Gray. Do it. Fifteen thousand <laughs> words by uh, next week, mate. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> could have, I could have interviewed like Bernie and that as my sources and for research and that, that would have been great fun for for not Bernie, Bernie Eccleston hello uh, do you mind can I have five minutes of your time Bernie so what we've got really is that the FIA is basically kind of a bit like the uh, um, oh, what was the name of the Russian parliament just after the first revolution was it the Duma or was that Germany well, but something I'm like that sure. something where yeah. you've got a, a system that was originally made up by the revolutionaries um, but over time has become a sort of bloated, slightly self-serving, um, you know, uh, yeah. gallery of people um, with enough self-interest in it to not necessarily make the right decisions. Uh, then you've got Bernie the Dictator, who's happily uh, marching over anybody's <laughs> disagreements to anything that he's doing. Um, Thing is, Bernie gets a bad press. Oh, no, not everything he does not. is bad. But he he does it regardless. That's my. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah, know what I mean? It's, it, true. it's yeah. the, you know. Um... Who who who's uh, this is gonna, this is going to make me ultimately decide which way I'm swaying in this argument if it was a fight? But whose idea was it to ruin Hockenheim? Because whoever's idea that was, I don't want them in charge. <laughs> Because I love the old Hockenheim. Would that, who, who, who makes um, those decisions? Well, what, what, what did they Is that Bernie's decision? Well, it's completely different now. It's I a different would have layout, assumed that that would probably either have been based on safety, which would have been the FIA. Um, okay. Like, similar to Silverstone. Silverstone's oh, now ruined as well. Uh, okay, not ruined, but, you know, it's no, not what it used change, to be. No, but a lot of those changes... Change, I mean, the... Um, the British Grand Prix one was so, was um, made for lots of different reasons. One, it it made a better start and finish area uh, for more more people to see and better grandstands. Um, it also changed the circuit in a way that made it bike friendly. Oh, well, yeah, it would so have been um, that, the British Racing Drivers Association because they they own Silverstone. Right, because they run Silverstone. So that was right. So that's obviously unique to Silverstone. So it might have been Hockenheim's, whoever's running Hockenheim track. Made and I think that's privately owned, or at least there. it was. Yeah, so we can't blame that on Bernie. I was just clearing no. that up. <laughs> I have the old but, Hockenheim, but that said, new one, so you might be able to blame Bernie because Hockenheim might have changed because they needed to host more different events to pay for Formula One. Yeah, and let's, let's be honest, who knows what Bernie gets up to in Germany. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> All bets are off. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure whether it is Bernie. If, if they need to to pay for to host F1, that's quite possibly the case. They are rotating now with Nurburgring, so quite possibly they can only afford to to pay F1 every once every couple of years, which would would give some credence to your theory there. So. Maybe maybe that is the case. Either way, I love the old Hockenheim. So whoever did that, fuck you. <laughs> but. And I, I don't mean ruined when I was talking about the British Grand Prix as well. I just, I just liked the old one. I liked Cops Corner being the first corner. Sure, uh, like you that, know, absolutely. So. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily hate the new, the new layout. 
Oh, like I do, I do. No, you don't even necessarily hate the new Hockenheim. I just like the old one. The old one was pure flat out for most of the track. It's just different compared to most of the tracks you get these days. I don't think anything stands out about the new Hockenheim, whereas the old one sure. was unique. Uh, anyway, yeah. Back on topic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, where were we? Bernie. Yeah, he, he is. He's a dictator, but like I say, he doesn't do. He do, like, not all his decisions are bad. Some of his decisions are good. So. That's what I mean in the sense that I do like the idea of having a manager as such who's in charge and takes care of all the contracts and stuff. And only if he does something monumentally ridiculous, then I'd have Parliament meet to overrule the to have a vote to overrule a decision if they think it's it's gotten out of hand or something like that. I feel like that system would be fair anyway. But whether it would work in practice, no, I'm not absolutely. Sure. Um... And then you've got the teams, of course. We've not really spoke much about the teams. Yes, uh, so this is um, this is where we get down to the idea of perhaps um, would be the revolutionaries themselves or the idea of the people, uh, you know, taking over. Um, taking over. The problem with that is, like you say, they're never going to agree. Well, what you'd <laughs> so, have to do, wouldn't you? You'd say like every team has somebody on a council. No decision is ratified without a... Two thirds majority, maybe. Say, um, yeah, even seven out of ten, maybe. Yeah. What that would be good for is it means that um, you know the the teams are ultimately going to do things that probably make the sport better. That you know they're not they're not going to have they're not going to vote, vote for tighter restrictions. Um, they're they're not going to be in position. They're not going to be making the decisions where people go, oh fuck, why have they done that? Um, yeah. They're not going to make any decisions which make the cars look ugly, like the FIA are going to do. You know, they come up with a, their own regulation that meant the cars looked great and were aerodynamically amazing. Um, yeah, in theory, you'd probably get a better on-screen product. And I think that's the problem, is that it all works you probably, in your head. Are you, are you talking about the teams running? Sorry, mate. Uh, Sorry, it all works in your head until you get the idea of, say, having Christian Horner... Stefano Domenicali, hey. Martin Whitmarsh, all, in a room all of the other people, all in a room. <laughs> and Red Bull are proposing yeah, that just... um, they don't ban the Coanda exhaust. Um, Toro Rosso say, yes, don't ban the Coanda exhaust because they're the puppet team of Red Bull. And everybody else goes, we haven't designed a fucking Coanda exhaust. Ban the Coanda exhaust! <laughs> um, yep. Everything should just be decided <laughs> in a big fight. Just have Christian Horner versus Dominicali in a two out of three falls winner take all match. <laughs> just whoever wins that, you make the decisions. <laughs> but in all seriousness, yeah, right. Um, I can't see anything getting done. It's a nice idea in theory, but be like you had the people running a, a government or an economy. Probably there's too many. Even it doesn't even need to be the people. Just any any politics. There's too many different interests. You know. You got one side who are uh, pro. <laughs> look at America, pro guns. Other side isn't, you know, and people just aren't going to agree. Christian Horner's uh, pro. He's exhausting. The other teams are against it, and and you're never going to get. There's no middle ground. It's either A or B. It's either plus or negative, true or false. You can't have a wee bit of the exhaust. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, there would be too many issues where nothing would get achieved. 
it'd be every week we'd be hearing <laughs> another meeting has gone ahead with nothing getting achieved. It'd be like every single week. So a nice idea in theory, but impractical. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, however, of course, um, it's the teams that keep Bernie honest in a lot of ways um, because Bernie is constantly having to, you know, deal with the teams in getting the Concord agreement signed up to. Could you have, could you have the teams take care of all of the Bernie stuff, the commercial stuff, and still have the FI do all the technical regs? So it's not up to Christian Horner where he runs; he's he's bloody exhaust. But the the teams could elect a Bernie essentially. Well, but the problem again, you know, who, who um, Christian Horner says, I think um, Helmut Marco should be in charge of all the. <laughs> And it gets fucking ridiculous again. So I think what we've come to the agree, uh, you know, what we've really just said is actually how everything runs at the moment is the best way that Formula can, can run. The FIA do the technical regs. Yeah. Bernie does all the commercial stuff, and the teams sit in the middle, doing all of the sport. Yeah. And by having those three opposing forces clashing in the middle, it, it stops any one faction. Ruining the sport in their own interest. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Just, like I say, I like, I don't mind Bernie being in charge. I just want to be able to just hook him in a little bit when he gets a little bit silly. But in general, the idea of a figurehead running most of it is fine. I just kind of wish just a little bit of money goes back into to the sport. Not a lot, just a wee bit. And then in general... I would be happy with the commercial side. Like, I was happy with the Sky Sports deal. I'm mostly happy with the calendar. I'd like to see one or two little things changed here and there. But in general, I still get my Albert Park. As soon as they take away Albert Park, then I'll be raging. But I've still got Albert Park, uh, which is my favourite track. The commercial side is mostly okay. Just a little bit of money going back in towards the teams here and there would probably be the best. But yeah, it's not. It's not. I awful. think that's the thing, isn't it? Is <laughs> that? <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. There could be a greater control over some aspects of stuff that Burley's got that would be better held by the FIA. It would be better if the teams maybe had a, a bigger hand in some of the technical regs, so that it's not always completely restrictive. Um, it. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I never thought of that. But, yeah, a little bit more of a cohesion with between the FIA and the teams. Basically, if the teams and Bernie work together a bit more in the commercial aspect and the uh, the teams and the FIA worked a slightly little bit better together on the technical regs and then the FIA and Bernie worked together a, bit, a little bit more on various issues, everything would be hunky-dory. Just a little bit more... Now the system's fine if everybody just gets along a little bit better. Why can't we all just get along? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's the way. That's a that's the message to let to end on actually, isn't it? Why can't we all just get yeah. along? <laughs> like I said, Bernie ships a little bit of money back into the sport. The teams give the uh, the FA gives the teams a little bit more freeway here and there on the regs. Just a the little bit. The teams all Nothing agree major. to do do things a little bit easier and don't kick up such of a fuss. Um, agree to share out the prize money a bit more yeah, evenly or a bit better for the lower teams. Everybody gets 
It's a win, win, win all round. <laughs> yeah, if only everybody could see it like that. That's it. My, my thesis <laughs> coming soon <laughs> to Bernie Eccleston's death. But I think that takes us uh, quite nicely yeah. to the end of the show, actually, that we've actually come to something vaguely looking like an actual conclusion in uh, <laughs> in uh, in that discussion, yeah. which is uh, a minor miracle most of the time. Um, so it pretty much just remains for me to thank you all for listening. Um, I hope you keep on tuning in. I hope you tune in next week for our next discussion and uh, the latest F1 news. Sean, what we what we thinking of doing for next week? Next week we're looking into doing a special on mine and Andrew's favourites over the last few years of Formula One, so favourite drivers, favourite tracks, favourite uh, liveries, all, all, all the best bits. So what we're going to do is we'll uh, go away, have a wee think up of what, we, what we've what we loved and what has made us become such, uh, such uh, passionate fans for this sport uh, and, and tell you about it and hope that you uh, can agree or maybe disagree on some of our selections. So, yeah, that's, I'm looking forward to doing that. It should be a really fun show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and as always, the way to get in touch with us is, of course, follow us all on Twitter. So you can follow the podcast itself, at Final Lap Podcast. Uh, you can follow myself, at Man Called Megs. And you can follow Sean. Uh, at TW underscore Magic, because it still hasn't changed yet. So <laughs> Breaking news, Sean has not changed his Twitter <laughs> handle. Couldn't think of a good one. Coming soon, anyway. <laughs> Um, you can also uh, join in the uh, debates and join in the shows um, by uh, liking our page on Facebook, which is The Final Lap Podcast. If you have a quick search on Facebook, you'll find us there. Just like the page uh, and let us know your thoughts on uh, any of the shows we've done or any upcoming shows. Uh, and as always, you can still subscribe to the podcast through iTunes. So just get on, get onto the store and search for The Final Lap Podcast. Ignore the stupid NASCAR one and subscribe to ours. Yeah, um, that would be great. <laughs> So again, thanks very much for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Thank you.